Hey, let's thank our worship team choir for leading us this morning. And again, welcome to the chapel and to those that might be joining us online right now as well. So glad that you've joined us. Many of you were with us last week, and what a fantastic Easter that we got to celebrate together. What a powerful message pointing out the proof of the resurrection and, uh, and the, the, the songs. And man, thank you to all of our volunteers, the people that served uh, sometimes multiple services last weekend, whether it was uh, greeting people at the doors or out in the parking lot or working with our kids down the hallway in our kids' ministry. Thank you. We, could, we would not be the church that we are. We would not be able to do what we do if it weren't for people that have stepped up to say, I'm in. I want to help. I want to be a part. So thank you so much. I don't know about you, but you know, as I think about Easter and I think about those early disciples who went from one moment being scared and thinking all hope was lost and their Jesus, their leader, their, their Savior had died and was buried in a tomb and then when he actually rose from the dead, and they're overwhelmed in a moment, like everything changes. And I'm sure that those early disciples at that moment were asking a question, a question that probably we ought to be asking right now, just one week after we celebrate the resurrection. And it's the question, now what? Now what? I wonder what those disciples were, were thinking, feeling like, Jesus, okay, you, you, you really did it. Like, you really came back from the dead. Now what, Jesus? And people from, from decades and decades have been asking that same question because of the resurrection. Now what? And that leads us to where we're going to spend the next 28 weeks together journeying through the book of Acts. Acts is really the, the story of the movement of the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what he had done and how he had truly risen from the grave and how he had changed people's lives. And that new life began to erupt and spread. And more and more people found real hope and real life because of the resurrection. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And we're going to journey week by week, chapter by chapter, through this powerful part of history to see what part God is calling you and I as his church today to play in this ongoing story and movement. And we want to invite you week by week, day by day actually, to read through the book of Acts with us. In fact, in the worship program every single week, there will be a, a reading plan for that following week. So there's one in your worship program today. So you could, you'll know what to start reading tomorrow on Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, on down through the week. Monday will always be a review day, kind of looking back at what we talked about on the weekend. But then the rest of the week is going to set you up, prepare you, so that honestly, when Eric or I or Jay get up here, you're already going to know what we're going to be talking about. But no, but there's something about digging. I mean, think about this. Thousands of people every single day reading the same powerful truth. I, I had a friend at our old church that used to say, um, the weekend worship should just be the icing on the cake of the, bake that, of, the, of the cake that we've been baking all week long in our own personal time with Jesus. 
And we are looking forward to journeying together. So follow along. Use the, the, the weekend worship program to follow along. Or you can go to our website. And on the website, if you just go to the chapel.family backslash acts, A-C-T-S, uh, the, the daily reading plan will be there for you as well. And we want to do this with what we call the SOAP method. So every day as you read the scriptures, you're going to start with S. Just read the scriptures. O stands for observation. Just write, write down some observations. All right, A means application. Once we observe what the text says, then start to ask yourself good questions like, well, what does that mean? What did that mean for them? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for me? And then the P stands for prayer. SOAP, S-O-A-P. I'm telling you guys, part of our 2023 vision as a church is to grow deeper. And that's not going to happen just on weekends. It's going to take a daily discipline of diving into the truth of God's word. And I believe with all my heart that the the power and the miracles, the amazing things that we're going to see in the book of Acts, we are going to see in our lives when we align ourselves with Jesus and dive into his truth together. So join us in the book of Acts, all right? Today we start in chapter one where it all begins, and this is how it starts. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. Now stop right there. This book, the book of Acts, is written to someone known as Theophilus. We don't know for certain who he was. The name Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. Some scholars believe that it wasn't even written to one particular person, but it was just written in general to all those who love God and are friends of God. But I have to believe, because we believe that the author of the book of Acts is the same author of the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke himself. In fact, that's why I'm going to put the scripture back up. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus. He's referencing the book of Luke, which is also written to this same person, Theophilus. Written by Luke, a a disciple of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus, one that journeyed with Jesus for three years before Jesus would give his life on the cross and be resurrected. Luke was a medical doctor. He was very uh, specific, and he, he's writing an account of his own. And look at what he says, verse 2, Until the day that he was taken up to heaven, and after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. He goes on, During the 40 days after he, speaking about Jesus, suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles. Luke is writing, saying, Yeah, I saw him too. He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he actually was alive. It's what Pastor Eric talked about last weekend. Over 500 people that were eyewitnesses of Jesus after he had risen from the grave. There's incredible proof the resurrection really did happen. And now Luke, just like he did in the Gospel of Luke to record the life of Christ and convince people of who Jesus was, Now in the book of Acts, it's like he's continuing that. In fact, remember the very first verses? He says, in my former book, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach. Some people believe that the book of Luke is really just, or book of Acts is just part two of the gospel of Luke. And it's all that Jesus continued to do by the power of God's spirit through people. And so let's go back to the text. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. 
It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you about before. Luke is referencing the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we'll see come down upon the church in Acts chapter 2 and indwell the believers. And they spoke in other languages and they were empowered. And it says, and John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, now what? <laughs> it's really what they were saying. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Well, they were asking the wrong question. <laughs> Do you notice what they said? Lord, is it time for you to come and restore our kingdom? You see, Jesus, wasn't a, Jesus is not about building our kingdoms, my kingdom. He is about building his kingdom. And the disciples, even after the resurrection, they, they had this thought that Jesus was going to come and he was going to set up military power and he was just going to take over and wipe out the Roman government and take charge. What they didn't realize was the way that Jesus wanted to begin building his kingdom on this earth. And that leads us to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus said, But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's what we call the Great Commission. Jesus was making a promise. His promise was that he was going to build his kingdom, but he wasn't going to do it through military might. Jesus' promise was that he was going to do it through miraculous power. That's why he said, and you'll be my witnesses, and you will receive power. And what was that power for? It was, it was for a specific purpose. He said to be his witnesses. A witness is simply a person that tells their story. A witness is simply a person that explains to others what happened to them or what they observed happened to other people. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to douse my people with a miraculous, supernatural power so that they will have such holy courage to tell my story, to share their faith, to tell people about me everywhere. The mission that Jesus gave the church then is the same mission that he gives the church now. We say it every week in here at the chapel. We exist to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Jesus. To be his witnesses in life, in action, in word, in deed. To represent Jesus and to help people move closer to him. That's always been the mission of the church. Not just the chapel, of any church, any church that believes in Jesus, Jesus has set the mission. It's to go and impact people, to help them discover who he is and all that he's done. That Jesus is alive today. That he offers forgiveness and hope and healing. And that he wants to make our lives new. That's the mission. And that's our mission. 
And, and Jesus was very specific when he said this to the group of people that were gathered there on that day. He said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These were real places. He was speaking to a crowd of people that were gathered at the time in Jerusalem. And so he was saying, I want you to start where you're at. But then I don't want you to stop there. No, I want you to keep going and keep sharing and keep telling and keep serving to the very ends of the earth. So what does that mean for you and me? Jerusalem, for those people, it just represented their hometown, their own neighborhood even. He was talking about sharing across the fence with whoever's across the fence from us. Yes, it might be your literal neighbors. Let's just be honest here. How many of you have a neighbor that you wave to, but you don't know their name? Will somebody just be honest with me? Because I'm like guilty as charged. And Jesus is saying, man, make, let's make sure that we get to know the people that live right around us, our, our literal neighbors. But in our day and age, man, lots of times we have more contact. I mean, we, man, we pull into the garage, shut the door, go in the house, and now, now, well, now it's spring. Like yesterday was nice, so like all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at all these people that live by us. Well, go talk to them. <laughs> Build a relationship. Here at the chapel, we call it my three. It's just praying for God to lay three people on our heart that we know don't have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you are here because you were once on a person's my three list. It, it means reaching out to the, the circle of influence that God has already given you, the people that you, you work with, your family, the people that you do life with, the people that you see at the soccer field, the, the, the students that you go to class with. And it means doing three things for those three people. Praying, investing, and inviting. Just daily, getting on our knees and saying, Lord, give me opportunity. Help me to be a witness. Help me to serve. Help me to point this person towards you. And then to invest. Invest in them relationally. Like serve them. Help them out. Text them. Care for them. Ask them how you can pray for them, even if they don't believe. Listen, not too many people will turn down prayer. And then invite. Invite them. Invite them to a small group. Invite them to an outreach event. Invite them to a marriage retreat when you know there's a struggling. Invite them uh, you know, to a weekend experience. Invite them to Easter like many of you did. Invite them just to hear a little bit of your story. This is what Jesus called the early church to be and to do, and it's what he calls us to be and to do. To reach out to our own Jerusalem across the fence. But it also, he said, to reach out to Judea. Judea was the greater region that Jerusalem was a part of. And so when we say our Judea, it means our extended community, even our region. It means sharing across town. It's why it's why we want to be involved in places like the Nehemiah Center, helping kids in the inner city. It's why we do curbside carryout. And next weekend, you'll get curbside lists, and then you can bring groceries in the following week. And then we disperse those in our communities, in our region, to try to make a difference, to serve people that have real needs. Because oftentimes, people don't want to know what you have to say until they know that you really care. 
Just like Jesus met physical needs first and then he shared with them the truth and the grace of God. It's why we're involved in things like warming the homeless and we collect warm clothes and distribute it throughout uh, before the wintertime. It's, it's why we go to places like Kentucky and Tennessee and when there's been terrible devastation from tornadoes because we want to make an impact in our region and in our community. Uh, it's why we're, why we're involved in Habitat for Humanity. In fact, at the end of the summer, we, the chapel, we're going to build a house in our parking lot. And then they're going to take it into downtown Sandusky, and it's going to bless a family that otherwise would probably never be able to own their own home. And because you, the chapel, because you give, because you get involved, that's all going to be taken care of. That's, uh, Pastor Jay says it all the time. Um, it's quoting a book. He said, you know, the, the, the church is most effective when the lights are shut off and the chairs are empty. Because that means the church, which is you, is out there. Yeah, this is a, maybe a refueling station. Hopefully, this is a place where we get, we get challenged, we get encouraged, we get built up. But it's for a purpose. It's to reach our Jerusalem and our Judea. Not only that, Jesus said Jerusalem, Judea, and he said Samaria. And when Jesus said this, people would have been like, ah, oh, really? Come, Jesus, come on. Not those people. In that day, there was such a, a, a divide between Jews and Gentiles, and then Samaritans. Oh, man, Samaritans were like the lowest of lows. Nobody wanted to go to Samaria. In fact, if you were traveling, you, you wouldn't even take the straight, shortest route. You'd just go all the way around so as to avoid Samaria altogether. Maybe there's places in our own city that we just go around. But what if Jesus is calling us to go into and go through. Our, our Samaria represents those that are different than us. It means sharing across the tracks. Whatever's on the other side of the tracks. People that are different. Maybe it's a person of a different skin color. Maybe it's a person of a different educational or socioeconomic background. Maybe it's a person with a different set of beliefs or a different lifestyle. Jesus is saying, Go. Be my witnesses. I'll give you power and courage, but it's our responsibility to go to Jerusalem, right there, our neighborhood, the people closest to us, to our Judea, our region, our community, and to those, our Samaria, people that are not like us, that maybe it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Jesus is challenging us to build friendships with people that are not just like us. And listen, if all of my and your and our closest friends are just Christians, and I love small groups, and I love all those things, and we need Christian community, but if all of our friendships are just Christian people, then we're missing Jesus' mission for us, for the church. And then he went one step further and he said to the ends of the earth, which represented everyone everywhere. He was talking about not just sharing across the fence or across the tracks, but sharing across the very oceans. And so for the remaining time, I want to share with you some ways that we as a church are investing 
in reaching across the globe. It's why we support missionaries on a monthly basis like Roger and Carolyn Tomlinson. They serve with Dayspring Outreach in Mexico. This summer, uh, Joe Binkley is going to lead a team of high schoolers and young adults to go and serve, and maybe that's for you. Maybe you're called to go, literally go. Many of you are giving and you support those efforts, but some people are called right now to take a step of faith and to go. It's why we monthly we support people like Bobby and Lynette Gupta with Hindustan Bible Institute. They're training and equipping pastors in India. I mean, one of the hugest populations and one of the hugest missions field, and there's so much, uh, so much hardship there, and there's so much persecution from radical Hinduism. And yet, through our efforts, we're there. Or Scott and Lisa Santee, they're just helping people get clean water through a ministry called Filter of Hope. And we've sent teams from the chapel to go and be a part of a Filter of Hope short-term mission. And maybe God is calling you. Maybe this is your way to step up and to say, I'm going to do what Jesus called me to do, to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, to go to places and meet real needs and share about Jesus. Or why Nicasio and Valerie Martinez, it's why they're translating the Bible into an indigenous language called Zapotec in Mexico. And nobody cares about these people. Nobody cares about their language. But Nicasio and Valerie, they've taken it upon themselves to translate the Bible into their language so that those people can understand and hear God's word in their native tongue. And we support them on a monthly basis. That's going to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Dan and Sarah Stelzer, I can't even tell you where they're serving because there's so much persecution and it's illegal to speak the name of Jesus. And yet they're building a relationship with young college students and young couples and gathering around dinner tables and sharing about Jesus. Because they've taken the call that Jesus gave the early church in the book of Acts seriously, as we should. And it's why we've sent uh, thousands of dollars. Literally, actually, to this point, we opened up a fund went because people started immediately asking about all the stuff going on in the Ukraine and how could we help, and we opened up a fund. And to date, we've sent almost $50,000 from you to send and pioneers. They're partnering ministries, and they have people on the ground in Poland, and they're taking care of refugees, they're feeding them meals, they're putting them up in places to live, and that's because of you. And that's because, primarily, it's what Jesus calls us to do. This is what it means to be the church. And then we've adopted two villages in Burundi and in India. Burundi, we've been investing in for eight years. Do you know that when we first uh, adopted this village in Burundi, every year, 70 children, on average, were dying? Because of malnutrition, unclean water, starvation, sickness, disease. After two years of investing, only one to two kids are dying per year. And everything that happens in this little village in Burundi with these people called the Batwa, who are like the forgotten people, they're in an indigenous, like tribal group. And so nobody accepts them. Everything that's happened in this little village is because of the chapel. No one else gives to this particular village but you guys. This is part of going to the uttermost parts of the world. And then in India, 
just a, just a couple of years ago, Pastor Jay and I got to travel to India, and we learned about our partnering organization there. And we've adop- adopted another village there. I can't even say the name of it, not because I can't pronounce it, <laughs> although that can happen, but because of radical Hinduism and persecution of the church, people that are losing their lives, people, pastors that are being beheaded after leading a small group. But the people there, they are valued by God. And they need to know the life-giving hope of the gospel of Jesus. That because Jesus is risen from the grave, there's hope in this life and there's hope beyond this life, no matter what they might be facing. Just recently, we got to send a few of our chapel elders and Jen Rawson as well, and Pastor Jay led the team uh, to Burundi. You're going to see a brand new community center that was just dedicated there. You're going to see the unveiling of water wells. You're going to see the faces of people being impacted. This is what it means to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's take a look at the screens. Everything that you just saw there is because of your generous giving. These are a forgotten people that no one cares about, but we care, and that's because Jesus cares. Our team just recently, uh, when, Pat, when you were there, you saw Pastor Jay cutting a ribbon. They were opening up a brand new community center. There is nothing like this in the whole region. And this has been dedicated to this unknown people group. And now there's other people that have never respected the Batwa people, but now they're being drawn there. In fact, they want to move there because of the incredible things that they're seeing God doing in their midst. And that's all because of you guys. But then uh, here's a picture of the rice fields that were provided, that were planted with resources that were given from the chapel. And you see the kids there with some of our chapel elders, and they're just praying over the rice fields. And then the big valley there, uh, rocky terrain. And you see everywhere that there's a silver roof, before there was, it was a simple grass hut. 
And now it's like 72 homes have been built, real homes with real walls for these families. This is answering the call. And because of this, because of generosity, because of serving people's real needs, then we're having the opportunity. Our people there are able to share who Jesus is. And the, the gift, is, it's, it's not from a church. It's, the gift is from Jesus. And just a couple years ago, like I said before, Pastor Jay and I got to go to Burundi to investigate a, a new ministry partnership to adopt another village of a poor people in one of the most remote places in India where there is heavy persecution and people are giving their lives for their faith and radical things have happened. Now, you're going to have to follow along quick, okay? When you see the stats, you're going to be blown away and you're going to have to read fast. So let's turn, turn your attention to the screen again. Some incredible statistics. And the reason for all of this is not just to be good, it's to answer Jesus' call. The same call that he gave the early church in the book of Acts, he gives to his church today, and that includes us here at the chapel. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In, in, in Jerusalem, in, in our own neighborhoods, and in our own backyards, and in our own workplaces, and on the soccer field, and at school. But you'll be my witnesses, he says, in, in Judea, in the greater region, in Sandusky, in Erie County, across our nation. You'll be my witnesses, Jesus says, to Samaria, to those that are unlike us, that maybe it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but Jesus is calling us because he was willing to be uncomfortable for our sake. 
and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world, to the ends of the earth. That's why we do what we do. There's a, there's a word at the very end of the book of Acts, in the very last chapter, the very last sentence, the very last word in Greek, and it's, it's translated as the word unhindered. Unhindered, unstoppable. You guys, that's the gospel of Jesus. It is unstoppable. The question is, do we want to be a part of this unstoppable, unhindered force of love? Are we going to answer the call individually and as a church to go wherever he sends us, across the tracks or across the oceans? And here's the reality, guys. If those early disciples would not have taken Jesus seriously, you and I would not be here today. We would not be sitting in a church in 2022. If they had not heard what Jesus had said and their lives had not been changed and they had not said to themselves, man, we've got to tell some other people, we would not be here because then some other people that those first disciples and apostles told, their lives were changed by the goodness and love of God. And they said to themselves, you know what, this message, this mission is for us too. And we need to share it with somebody else. And they went across their fence and they went across their backyard and they went across the oceans and they told someone else. And those people's lives were changed by the love and grace of Jesus. And they said to themselves, this, we've got to take this seriously. Somebody needs to hear this. Someone needs to experience what we've experienced. And they then decided to share that with someone else who shared it with someone else who shared it with someone else who eventually, listen, shared it with you and shared it with me. And if it weren't for people like Klaus Zilke Jr. and my friend Matt Ferguson that leaned over to me at 17 and said, Todd, you're saved, aren't you? My life would be in a completely different direction. And with all that we're facing in life right now as a family and that you are facing, where would we go? Where would we find hope but Jesus? And there's still people that need to hear it. And it's our opportunity to be a part of sharing this truth. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your love and grace. Jesus, thank you that you had a, a mission in your heart it was a mission of radical sacrifice and selflessness and powerful, unhindered love and truth. And God, people have taken your call seriously. And because your Holy Spirit has given power and courage, your word has continued to spread. And life after life after life after life has been changed. And you are changing our lives. And Jesus, you're calling us to be your witnesses. I pray that you would find us faithful. And this week even, God, would you give us a holy courage to serve someone else in love, to talk to somebody else and invest in them, to share Jesus across the fence, to invite someone to hear our story or to come enjoy church together with us. God, I pray that you'd give us your power and your courage and your compassion for those that need to know. In Christ's name, together we pray. Amen.